You're listening to Just Asking with therapist Stephen Ng. It's a conversation on what we're all thinking about, but no one's talking about. Our sexuality and how to manage it intelligently. Hi, this is Stephen Ng, and I'm hanging out with my friend Jackie to talk about all things sexual. And I, I want to invite you who are listening to join us in one of those unusually comfortable conversations on sexuality. Hi, Jackie. Hi, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. I, oh, and we were talking just a moment ago about abortion. That's what all my friends, you know, I always bring you stories and things that my friends are wondering about. And this is something that's been a constant source of conversation with all my friends lately. Yeah. Do you want to know why? Yeah, I do want to know why. <laughs> but I, I could guess, but you, you, I, I do want to know. Yeah. Uh, looks like Trump gets a second pick on uh, the Supreme Court. He knew that was going to happen so fast. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously the, the one of the biggest concerns is Roe versus Wade. Right. Right. And they're all concerned that they might lose the right because it might be overturned. And honestly, most of the people, most of my friends, people I'm talking to, this doesn't affect us personally. Okay. Um, but yeah, this is this is a big big deal and something that we all need to be talking about. Honestly, I think we all need to be worried about. Yeah, I have a contrarian view of all this. I mean, I'm no fan of the current administration, and that's putting it mildly. I tend to agree with uh, Brennan, the former director of the CIA, who was using words like traitor and imbecile uh, earlier today. So um, for me, when I think about the Supreme Court uh you know, changing their position on abortion in Roe v. Wade, it, it's sort of one of those what the, the Supreme Court giveth, the Supreme Court can take it away. And instead of functioning more as a republic and having a vote back in the time of Roe v. Wade, a vote that would really express the will of the people, I, th I know for a lot of people who are anti-abortion, it really felt like they were being told what to do by a very small group of, well, uh, old white males, and they did not like that. It didn't feel representational at all. I'm going to call out on one of the, the word choices right now, and I, I, I agree that this is what's happening, but this Roe v. Wade, nobody's telling you what to do. Well, like, if you don't if you don't want to have an abortion, don't have an abortion. Nobody's making you. Well, I'm going to call you out right back. Okay. Because um, the point is where you stand on what should be the law and what's right and what's wrong. It's a little bit for the people who feel the way they do uh, negatively about abortion. It would be like legalizing murder. So for them, that is kind of a thing that we should have a vote on and should not be particularly open to just a tiny little group of individuals telling the rest of us what to do, telling millions of people what the law was. Now, I'm very pro Roe v. Wade, and I'm probably more pro Roe v. Wade than, than you, I'm guessing. No, I'm, I'm very pro Roe v. Wade. I'm very pro-choice. I'm also anti-abortion. Okay, so we're going to have to do rock, paper, scissors to figure out who's the <laughs> who's most. Who's the most. Yeah, who's the most. Yeah. I, to me, it seems, though, that you know, so many of the advantages that younger people have enjoyed uh, because of the hard work of the civil rights movement, um, the hard work of feminists, the hard work of other civil libert libertarians, uh, a lot of that has been won in the court, and, and it's been sort of taken for granted. And 
I think if if those of us who are of a more liberal-minded bent uh, have a future uh, to look forward to, it'll be because enough people get that angry, that upset, that we would go back into the dark ages that we had once left. Right, and that's where I that's what I'd like to talk about is the dark ages. <laughs> and and one of the things, and we've You're talked, so dark. <laughs> we've talked about this before, not necessarily on the show, but about birth control. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that birth control is a number one most important thing um, that's allowed women to get to where we are now, because the ability to control your, you know, procreation, to to have a child at the point in my life where I choose to have a, a child, is huge, huge. I, I've read books. I can't even imagine having. I cannot imagine living in a time when I couldn't have sex for fear of having a child. Right, and you couldn't deny your husband having sex because that was the way of the world and you were supposed to be having sex. Right. I mean, I had my kids when I was 32 and 35, which was perfect for me. Right. You know, and they were very planned, and they were very, you know, I I started on birth control before I ever had sex because I was very, I didn't want to have an abortion. Right, and, you know, I, I know there's statistics to support your point of view that in that... Around the world, poverty correlates most strongly with um, women's inability to receive birth control. So if women have the ability to control the number of children they have, they give the, the surviving children, those who do exist, better care, better food, better education because they can. You know, and, and the opposite, when you're, when you're super poor, the idea is, well, you have to have a, a child every year of your marriage because only a very small percentage will survive the horrible conditions under which you live. Right. So both ways of thinking, I think, play into this. But here in the States, uh, for me, the big picture is really, I, I, I hate to say this because I'm, I'm a big fan of God, but I, I still see religion having such an overall negative influence on rational thinking here. I, I think so, too. And this is one of the things I, you know, we're, we're talking about abortion, which I'm sure is number one on the list of things that people should not talk about in polite company. Right, right. Um, but my problem with this is the solution to abortion is birth control. But not when abstinence. You, You're not saying abstinence. Okay, be, look at that look on your face. Let's oh be real. Gosh. I mean, in the real world. In yeah. the real world. The solution to abortion is birth control. And so many people, and this goes back to your religious comment, so many people who are anti-abortion are also anti-birth control. Yeah, even though the Catholic Church, which has the strongest stance against birth control, has, I think up the percentage was something like over 97% of Catholic women have used birth control. So people are clearly voting with their feet as they rush into the pharmacies to get their birth control uh, pills. But for me, that, you know, you've, you've brought up birth control, and I want to bring up a third thing that the religious groups have been notoriously unhelpful with, and that is some sort of humane and human-centric version of sex education. So we don't want abortion, and no, you can't prevent abortion with birth control pills, and no, we don't even want to teach you about risks of any kind without uh, in the public school system. And of course, we're not going to do it anywhere else. We're just going to rely on the Ten Commandments and similar prohibitions against any sexual activity prior to marriage. And then only with people you're married to. And uh, that that whole thing, it's it. 
for me, it's just a very fear-based unwillingness to deal with the facts of life. Well, and even on that, I don't understand. So you're married. You still don't get to choose how many kids you have. You still don't have to, you know, you, you married the guy that the, the first man you, you got married, then had sex for the first time. You're following the rules. You're doing what you're supposed to do. You still don't get to control how many children you have? Right. Which goes back to why so many women or people are using birth control. Well, in the, I hear what you're saying, and I, I guess for me as a proud Irishman, I just, I, I've watched what's been going on in Ireland this last year and how the, Ireland, a Catholic country, finally got so fed up with the double messages coming from religious people that they voted to overturn uh, their prohibitions on abortion. And it was a major sea change in politics watched around the world. And it was it was uh, one of those modern moments where the Catholic Church had to take a giant step backward because, really, because of its own many sins with so many cases in Ireland. And for me, I, I rather like that because I think it's about people standing up and refusing to let other people control them. And for those of us who don't, how many people out there listening to this love to be controlled? I don't <laughs> think anybody, I mean, outside the bedroom. And, and I, only for short periods of time. Yeah, yeah and, and consensually. So for me, uh, being controlled by church is one of those examples where religion all of a sudden isn't here to serve us as much as we are here to serve our religion, to obey and to not question and to be oppressed. And I'm I'm not I'm not comfortable with that kind of spirituality. It just doesn't work for me. Well, going back to what you said at the beginning, um, where you have this group of at the time old white men making decisions for the rest of us. Mm -hmm. Now we have some old women on there too. They're not that old. Okay, one. <laughs> Ruth. Ruth. Yeah. Stay healthy, Ruth. Yeah, please, please. Um, I was reading a, an article, um, a statistic from Pew, um, and they said 57% of Americans believe that abortion should be legal in all or most cases. Right. It should be legal in all or most cases, while 40% said it should be illegal in, in all or most cases. So the majority of the population... By a landslide. By a landslide, believes that this should be legal. Right. So the idea that this group of people can just go in and, and just... I mean, this is Roe v. Wade has been legal since the 70s, and now we're just going to discuss making it illegal. Yeah, I, I think it's it would be a a major uh, misstep on by the conservative movement, and I, I predict that the Supreme Court will probably do something more incremental than revolutionary. Which is also scary. It's just it's very scary because it's a little bit like the frog getting slowly boiled to death because he acclimates to the temperature of the water, and I hate the idea that people would acclimate to uh, the kinds of restrictions that the far right wants to and the far religious right wants to put on Americans. Which they're doing in state state by state, where I think right. it was Iowa. Who's at 15 weeks? Right. Or was it Ohio? In any case, you know... It was one of the vowel ones. Yeah. <laughs> I don't suppose you've ever heard of Fritz Kuhn? I have not. Okay, so he's a famous, world-famous illustrator who's unfortunately long deceased. And he used to do these um, kind of modern, industrialized versions of body functions and that sort of thing. He was... 
uh, a physician. He was just wonderful, very creative. And he wrote a book called Our Sex Life. And it's about not quite 100 years old. And I uh, was reading it not so long ago, and he was talking about abortion. And from his perspective, he observed, now this is going to be shocking, he observed politicians being very anti-abortion, the same politicians who had already paid for their own lovers or wives to have abortions outside of the country. He went on to say that no matter what laws are passed against abortion, those who are rich will always find a remedy, even if they have to go outside the country to get it, which is exactly what many Irish people were doing, right? They were leaving, going to Great Britain, uh, getting their abortion and coming back. And I think that that's always going to be the way that it is. The thing I hate about this kind of discussion is the idea that somehow all the rest of us, even if we were the majority, could agree to deny a substantial minority of their own rights and the rights to have your sexuality and to live your life the way you choose. To me, it seems so un-American and so callous to really tell people just what they can do and what they can't do, particularly in the most private, personal areas of their life, not just the bedroom, but, but their personal health. And that was that case that, that really drove, uh, I think that finally the straw that broke the camel's back in Ireland was the family from India, where the wife was pregnant with um, a real problem and this pregnancy needed to be terminated in the third trimester, I believe it was. And the, the husband was begging, he's a physician, he was begging that for them to, to terminate the pregnancy, the wife was as well, and they couldn't legally, so no one did. Instead, she suffered for, I think it was weeks before finally dying because nobody could guarantee that this was um, going to be legal. And so that's one of those cases where the, se the, the sanctity of life seems to not mean so much when we're talking about post-birth. <laughs> Well, it's only, that's a whole it's, nother thing. It's only the pre-birth uh, individuals who are sacred. And the other part about this that drives me kind of nuts is I don't really think that most religious people really truly believe that every fetus and it, that every fetus is a um, person, because when women have miscarriages, even in religious families. There's not a full-on funeral for this individual. We don't register him in, as a birth. We don't give him a name. We don't do any of these other things. And when it comes to uh, in vitro fertilization clinics, they have refrigerator after refrigerator stuffed with uh, fetuses that are to be implanted, but they're not going to use, but and those get disposed of. And nobody's, nobody's marching around those. Right. Well, there are some marching around those, but but to your point about being pre pro life pre birth only. Right. Um, I was listening to a TED talk this weekend by a man who said that his mother used to tell him on a regular basis, um, "I was fifty dollars short of being able to abort you." And that's why, is he against abortion or pro abortion or? He he, he didn't take a stand on abortion, but this child oh. has obviously been abused his whole life. When your parent talks to you that way. Yeah. And and I think if I'd had fifty dollars, I wouldn't had, be having this conversation. Yeah, right now. and I just I think that 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 poor 
well, kid, he's a, he's a grown man. But how often does that happen if you, you are forced to have the child and then you abuse the child their whole life? Well, that does happen. And, and of course, the reverse happens as well. You could have a very wanted child. And that alone by itself to me is, is you know, it's, it's tragic. And it's, it, it really moves me, these kind of horrible stories. But is it really germane to the argument of whether or not we should permit adult women to have abortions if they so choose for whatever reason. No, now, it's not. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that it is. I mean the the emotionality of this really confounds clear reasoning and there is a lot of emotionality about it and I understand that, but basically it boils down to control. I want you to do what I want you to do and no I'm not gonna listen to your opinion and I'm not I'm not gonna tolerate you exercising any freedom in that area. And then of course you whip out your uh, Amex card and you fly to a country like France or Switzerland and you have an abortion anyway. And then what? Well, then it becomes discrimination against just the poor. It's really a matter. We have anti-abortion laws then just for the poor. Because I can guarantee you that rich women who are living in the most conservative states in the union are still getting abortions when they want to get abortions. And the poor obviously will also find a way. Yeah, if they're desperate enough, they'll do something life-risking and very dangerous from some untrained professional, like like happens, and we see this in Brazil right now, where uh, abortion is strongly disapproved of and heavily restricted, and yet women are seeking abortions all over the place and dying as a result of the horrible care they receive. Right. And I, um, as we're, obviously, we're, we're having a very... Um this is a big, complicated conversation, and we're oh, doing yeah. it in 20 minutes. Um, but I, I do want to take time to give a plug for Planned Parenthood. Um, oh, you can do that anytime. Because yeah. How about Narrow too, while we're at it? <laughs> yeah. But my, my with Planned Parenthood, the point of Planned Parenthood, and so I my parents got pregnant in high school. I know what it feels like to be a child who probably maybe would have been an abortion at another time. Um, so I was very, very big big fan of birth control my whole life mm -hmm. and and understanding how important that was got on the board of directors for Planned Parenthood when I was probably 20 or 21 years old. Wow. Good um, for you. Yeah, because I, I'm a big fan. The point of Planned Parenthood, which should be evident by the name, is to plan your parenthood. So to have <laughs> to choose when you decide to become a parent. Right. Which I did. As I mentioned, I got on the pill before I ever had sex at Planned Parenthood. I was on the pill for 12, well, probably longer 14, 15 years before we decided it was time to have a child. Both of my children were very planned. The difference, I think, is that parenting is hard. Parenting is really hard. And when you have chosen to have these children, then when it gets hard, you can say, okay, this was, this was my choice. This is on me. And it's just a lot easier. Well, yeah, I agree completely. And your story is, to me, very touching. And it's also important for me I think to point out that if you don't want to have an abortion, uh, no one's forcing you to have one. So that's another part of planned parenthood. You get to decide for yourself. Right. And obviously, a lot of unplanned pregnancies result in lovely children with lovely parents. Well, yeah, I'm thinking of myself at my age. I don't know that anybody planned a pregnancy back in 1954. Um, they they might have had, well... They did whatever they did, but they, they didn't really plan like uh, the kind of family planning you're talking about. But I Because I, they didn't have that choice then. Yeah, they didn't. 
and for me, that's a big choice to have. And I wonder, and I agree with you. I think that it is a wonderful component of women finally taking their place as equals in our society. Because so, I, I think reproductive freedom and reproductive rights are kind of the foundation of human rights because we're sexual beings and we can never escape that. We're always going to be sexual beings. Absolutely. So I guess people need to be, um, this is serious. If you care about this issue, you need to call your call your legislators and let them know your feelings about what's happening and don't don't take Roe v. Wade for granted. Well, we invite you to chime in on this conversation. Just tweet us with your comments or your questions at Stephen Ng, MFT. Thanks, Jackie. Thank you.